So you've been part of the Star Wars galaxy since you brought Mon Mothma to episode three. And now, again, and then again in Rogue One, what's it like for you to be able to go deeper into this character uh, again in a series like Andor? Yeah, it's such a gift. It's so extraordinary. Um, uh, a little bit like Diego, I think what's amazing is that Lucasfilm and our creators have created space to tell her story a bit. Yeah. You know, we, yeah, it's great. <laughs> we, 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 we know where she ends up. We know where she is in Rogue One. For those, you know, some people will have seen those deleted scenes that I did like nearly 20 years ago. And so, so I feel like all that information that I know I was able to bring here. And I think this piece for Mon Mothma, and well, for all of us actually, 12 episodes allows us to really engage with character, to really discover history, to discover who these people are, and to engage with their fight. Hers is a diplomatic fight, but it's still a fight. It's a bad man, man. Points is Jason. And this is Gabe. And this week we're talking about one of our favorite characters of all time, Mon Mothma. I think we were so excited to do this episode as soon as like we we knew the date for Andor. And it's like, oh good, we can finally do a Mon Mothma episode. Right. Not that we were, you know, ever needed any other reason to do one it's just for whatever reason we didn't do one yet and then with andor it was like okay now is the time to finally talk all about mon mothma nothing but mothma we're going into the mothma madness we have full-on mothma madness that was the thing like episode six of andor <laughs> as incredible as it was maybe about halfway or over halfway into it i was kind of like Oh, man, I don't know if we're getting any Mon Mothma in this episode. I know, right? We were convinced it was like, okay, these three episodes are going to be all about Mon Mothma. And no, they weren't. But there was a lot of Mon Mothma in them, and she was kind of the 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 cherry on top of the episode cupcake showing up at the end. Just to remind us that she's still there, and, and we're going to get more Mothma magic starting, I'm assuming, right into next week. We have loved Mon Mothma for decades and decades and decades. We have a long history of loving Mon Mothma, being obsessed with Mon Mothma. And she has a long history on screen and off screen. And we're going to be going in to... We can't go into all of Mon Mothma's history. It's too much. It'd be like a six-hour long podcast. So we've... We're going in, we're talking about all the important Mon Mothma details that have been going on for almost 40 years. And there's a lot. There is a, we've uncovered a lot of information. The greatest hits, the highlights, the best of Mothma Madness. But other than that, there's like really nothing going on, right? I mean, Andor, like Tales of the Jedi's coming. I can't think of anything else too interesting going on. Are you talking about Snoketoberfest? Oh, my God. 
three of Snoketoberfest 2022. How have the first two weeks been for everybody? Have, have people been enjoying it? I don't know. Have, have they? Like, it, are you having Snoketoberfest parties at home? I sure hope so. Today, I don't know if you were outside today. I don't know what the weather was like in Michigan, but outside Chicago, it was very much Snoketoberfest weather today. It was cold. It was windy. Windy, sunny, like randomly raining every once in a while. The trees, the leaves look beautiful. It's officially fall. I still haven't started wearing a jacket yet, but I might have to start next week. I might have to stop this denial and start wearing a jacket. Have you been wearing long pants or you're still wearing shorts? Oh, I wore long pants. So that's how you know it's it's Snoketoberfest season when the uh, when the long pants come out. Do you think Snoke ever wore shorts? Do you think like it ever gets hot? <laughs> Did he ever wear pants, Jason? Come on. <laughs> Do they even make pants that big? That thing when we were talking about Snoke and like big silverware. Where did he get his clothes? Where does he get his gold robe? There's only one Snoke. It's not like he can shop at like the big and tall section. No, they don't have a bigger and taller section. They, I mean, in Star Wars, maybe they do. They might have big and tall, bigger and taller, but he's like biggest and tallest and there's nothing, which is why he's got a dark robe and a light robe. That's about it. There's no pants. Did he just show up like buck naked? Like, Ugh. And they're like, oh, this guy's like the supreme leader, I guess. We, we should get him some clothes. His first order was, I need some big clothes. <laughs> All gold. <laughs> he does have shoes, though. Yeah, slippers. Yeah, they're in the visual dictionary. Yeah. He's not, he's not a total, total savage. He's got, he's got something, you know. But yeah, under that robe, we don't know. We don't know. Don't think about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, what we've been doing... With Snoketoberfest 2022 is highlighting the sounds of Snoke. Not so much the words, but the sounds of Snoke. We've done a couple sounds of Snoke here already. The sounds of the season. The leaves blowing against the grass, cool morning air breeze, and the sounds that come out of a weird disintegrating clone, giant clone thing's mouth. This this week's Snoke sound is a really good one. It's a really tasty one. From the classic line, Oh, still that fiery spit of hope. So, here we go. Would you classify that as a Snoke sound? Or is that like, are we regressing? Is that like a Snoke word? Well, O is one of those words that is a word and a sound. So I think it it's okay. It fits. <laughs> yeah, that puts the, the O in Snoke and Toberfest. It's it's kinda perfect. And one of the, you know, Snoketoberfest traditions is to have everyone sitting around the fiery spit of hope and uh, warming their toes. Toes. <laughs> Let's listen to the whole line. Why not? That's why. Who cares? Oh, still that fiery spit of hope. You have the spirit of a true Jedi. You know what's crazy? It's kind of like the cur from last week. Spit of hope. I, I Google searched spit of hope to see if that was like a phrase that maybe just I didn't know about. It doesn't exist. I think it's like, right? Because if, if you have a spit, that's like how you cook food over a fire. So there's like a fire and there's a spit over the fire and they're cooking hope. See, I did not know that. I did not know a spit was, <laughs> I didn't know that. It's like cur all over again. Like I was saying, I don't know what Snoke is saying. I thought maybe it was some Star Wars thing or something. That Ryan Johnson using all these words. <laughs> Getting out the dictionary, making us think we're sitting there in the theater. We're like, I don't know, I'm just rolling with it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought it was like a spit, like just a little bit. Like, just, oh, it's just a little bit of hope. Hey, maybe it could It could be. That's true. It's open to interpretation. That, that makes sense. As much sense as uh, roasting hope over an open fire. 
Like, if you Google search it, it's like, we know you mean to be searching spirit. Like, I, you know, it's like, did you mean to search spirit of hope? And it's like, no, I'm searching for spit of hope. Which then makes me think of Snoke spit. Does he spit? Does does Snoke have saliva? Well, he if he's eating, he has to, right? You can't can't swallow food with no saliva. That's true. That's true. But then that also makes me wonder: just does Snoke cry? Maybe he tries to cry, and the tears don't make it up to his eyes, and they just come out of the hole in his neck again. That hole in the neck is just causes all kinds of problems. Or the hole in his head. Maybe the tears come out of that. Does Snoke sweat? Is he like Michael Berryman, and he can't like physically can't sweat or something? <laughs> Well, that would be helpful because then that he could, that's how he gets away with just having one thing of clothes to wear is he never has to wash it because he's never sweating or crying in it. It's like, Snoke, we need to wash your gold robe. And he's like, no, you don't. I don't sweat. Yeah. It's totally fine. Unless I spilled some of my giant food on it. There's no reason to. Maybe when they, if they do have to wash his robe, he just uses the big red curtains in his room and he just stands behind those, just peeks his head out. If you just happened to fly by in space, you'd see his Snoke butt up against the glass. But everybody else, it's just, you know, big head peeking out behind some curtains. First order, TIE fighters flying by. Is that? Just don't look at it. Yeah, just don't. Just turn away. You keep your face forward flying your ship. Snoketoberfest. <laughs> Do you remember last time, Luke, Han, Leah, and Chewie found themselves trapped in a giant trash masher? Now, to their horror, the giant metal walls begin to close. Let's listen. I got a bad feeling about this. Will R2 and C3PO turn off the machine in time? Will they escape? Find out when the next exciting commercial for Star Wars is on the air. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Into the Mothma madness. We're talking about Mon Mothma. I love Mon Mothma so much. It's not even right. Yeah, if you haven't figured out already, we kind of like Return of the Jedi a lot. <laughs> and one of the reasons we like Return of the Jedi a lot is all the new Star Wars stuff that was part of Return of the Jedi and the Rebel briefing scene and all. The little buddies in that scene are part of it. And then, yeah, the, the pinnacle is Admiral Akbar comes out, General Maydean comes out, and the amazing Mon Mothma comes out. Who's almost, thinking back, it's almost like how in the first two movies you kind of thought, well, the first movie definitely you thought Vader was the, was the big bad guy, right? And then you get a hint of the Emperor, and then in Return of the Jedi you realize that there's this other eviler person. And Mon Mothma is almost kind of the opposite of that in a way where it's like you think you know who the rebels are and you think Leia's a big deal and you think Dodonna's a big deal and the people from the rebel base. But now you realize, oh, no, there's the, an even better rebel leader and it's Mon Mothma. Yeah, it was so cool, like really, really, really thinking about Mon Mothma this week, getting ready for this and thinking about that, that I mean, what were people thinking with – Star Wars and Empire, like, who's running the Rebel Alliance? I mean, maybe people thought it was, like, Leia? Because it's not like Dodonna or Crazy Mustache Man show up again on the Hoth base. There's, like, General Riken or something. Is he running the Rebel Alliance? And it's not like when Mon Mothma is introduced in Return of the Jedi. It's not like they're like, and here is the leader of the Rebel Alliance, Mon Mothma. She just comes out. Karen Blackston comes out, and in her performance, which we're going to talk about a lot in this episode, you just know she's the boss. There's no doubt. She's the one giving the plans. She's the one talking about the Bothans. She introduces Admiral Akbar, And at the Rebel briefing room scene, I have a lot of favorite scenes in Return of the Jedi, but the Rebel briefing room scene is in my top three favorite scenes in Return of the Jedi, some days in the right mood, I would tell you it's my favorite part in Return of the Jedi, which is my favorite Star Wars movie. So maybe it's my favorite part of all of Star Wars ever. 
I just love that rebel briefing room scene. And part of it, yeah, is a lot Mon Mothma. It's the trifecta of Mothma, Akbar, Maydine. Like these are the, the head honchos of the rebel alliance here that we're dealing with. And I also love too that Mon Mothma shows up at the rebel briefing room and you never see her again for the rest of the movie. Even Maydine showed up in, he had scenes, deleted scenes where he was going to be in the battle. Yeah. Mothma, she's a mystery. But not a mystery in a way where it, it even feels yeah, like she's missing. Like you can tell she shows up, she does what she needs to do. She tells them what they need to hear. And then, yeah, she's she's got to go somewhere else because she's that important. Like we can't see her again because she's that important. I can't risk her being in the movie anymore. She's too important. It's kind of the great thing with the way Mothma has evolved that, when she is introduced in Return of the Jedi, she's just that she's the symbol of the leader of the Rebel Alliance. She says, this is the person in charge. And as we're going to go over it through all the shows and all the other things that Mon Mothma has appeared in, she's always still kind of just been that symbol of strength and leadership of the Rebel Alliance. It's the great great, great, unique thing with Andor that she still is all those things, but also they've made her into an actual character. And not even just a character, but a human. A person that a viewer can relate to versus this stoic symbol of rebellion and hope and, you know, many Bothans died and all that stuff. You know, she's got a jerk husband. She's got a teenage daughter that's like borderline rude to her. You know, we were introduced to this duality, this secret life of Mon Mothma. You know, it's like a Clark Kent Superman kind of thing. And as much as we've thought about Mon Mothma for the past 40 years, I've never really thought about the fact that in her life, this period of time existed. And the fact that we're getting it in this incredible Disney Plus Star Wars show in 2022 is just, it's so cool. Yeah, well, and I think part of it that's kind of crazy looking back, too, is that her performance in, the performance of her character in Return of the Jedi is so, in a way, it's so subdued to be over the top. Like, it's over the top subdued. And the fact that, they've been able to make such an interesting character out of that because Genevieve O'Reilly plays her the same way, but they've kind of made this really over-the-top performance into something that's now very subtle and believable, but still that same personality from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and Genevieve O'Reilly is so good. There's all there's interviews where, with her talking about her studying Karen Blackiston's voice and her performance and especially as she was going into her scenes in Revenge of the Sith. And she was lucky enough, similar to Ian McDermott, to have been cast younger. With Ian McDermott, he was cast younger in Return of the Jedi. And then when they went back in time, when he had to actually be younger but older he was the right age to be pre palpatine palpatine but with genevieve she was cast at the right age with revenge of the sith and now just with luck or good timing she's now the right age to play older mon mothma in andor so it's like it's just one of those things that in addition to just being a great actor, the timing just worked out perfectly to be able to keep playing this character and, and it and it feeling so natural. It reminds me of, of Ewan McGregor with Obi-Wan and the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. It's like, this is this is the time to do it. And I'm loving the Mothma storyline in Andor so much. But yeah, like I said, the only thing that could tear me away from the eye episode six of Andor was thinking like, what about my mama? What, what she did is, is there some party at her house or is she just riding around in her car with her driver? Like, what, where is Mon Mothma? It's like, I don't like her husband, but I want to know what he's doing. <laughs> I don't trust him when I don't see him. 
going way, 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 way back with Mon Mothma love and going into the Mothma madness. And I think maybe this is the point where I realized I had a bit of an obsession with the Mon Mothma character. The first Motor City Comic Con I went to, or maybe it was the second, I can't remember. I think it was after, right after the special editions came out. So it might have been like summer 97 or it could have even been 98, but I want, I think it was 97. Anyways, some of the guests they had there were Phil Brown, uncle Owen and Carolyn Blackiston, Mon Mothma. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go talk to Mon Mothma. I have to, Oh my God, Mon Mothma's here. And I remember she looked, I don't, in my head somehow, I thought she would still look like Mon Mothma. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't, you know, but I, and I was just like, Oh, is that, is that Mon Mothma? And I went and talked to her and I was like, I just got, I'm a really big Mon Mothma fan. I just got to let you know. And I just remember she replied to me like, Oh, thank you. And like that Mon Mothma voice. And I just about passed out on the ground. I was like, Oh, the voice of an angel, a really mellow angel. But I've tried to get every like Mon Mothma action figure Ever since there's no, there hasn't been enough Mon Mothma stuff. I got the one from Sith. I got the Power of the Force Mon Mothma. Gabe, Gabe when did you realize that maybe you were a Mothma super fan and you were knee deep into the Mothma madness? I think it was it, it was you probably of like <laughs> you know we're talking about Return of the Jedi. Hey, what about Mon Mothma? And then it's like, hey, what about Mon Mothma? Because yeah, it, it's just any of she's was a unique character in in a in a unique movie, and there was there was like just you knew just enough about her. It's like the Andor show. It's like you know just enough to be intrigued, but not enough to know enough, and you just you want to know more. And you're just it's uh, she's just a fascinating character. And yeah, when the toys would come out, it's like yeah, of course I got to get Mon Mothma. And it's such a Star Wars thing, just Mon Mothma in general. And the fact that all this is going on right now, where it's a character who's literally on screen for maybe a minute, just like a little over a minute. And she has been in countless books and comics and animated shows. And she was in the prequel, like one of the prequel movies, like they're doing Revenge of Sith. And it's like, well, you got to have Mon Mothma in it. And now she is like, you know, what they said that Andor could also be called Andor slash Mothma and be in this incredibly dramatic and intense and serious and amazing show. And her character is being massively expanded on. And she was this character that just showed up for one minute in this movie in 1983. And here we are now. And it's like only Star Wars does that stuff. Yeah, because it's like she's almost the I mean, really, the that whole rebel briefing scene is almost like the bounty hunters scene of Empire Strikes Back, where these bounty hunters show up in one scene and people are just obsessed with them from now, you know, from then till now. And in that scene, it's kind of like the rebels version where like, you know, who who is General Maydean, this guy with this crazy hair, who is Mon Mothma, this lady in like a bathrobe with a necklace on, who is just like really, really serious, but really kind of mellow. And then Admiral Akbar, the squid head admiral. So, you know, they are all together and it's like on their own, maybe they wouldn't have been as memorable. But the fact that the three of them are just standing together in front of a giant hologram and you know, it's just it's the stuff that dreams are made of. We just got done with Jabba the Hutt, a fight on the sail barge. Yoda just died. The Emperor showed up. And then yeah, it's kind of the Rebel Briefing Room is kind of the first like breather in quotes that you get in Return of the Jedi. But also, yeah, you got like a, a red fish man talking with his hand flopping around in a hologram thing of the Death Star. But and Mon Mothma, who's just with red hair and a white dress, and she is as compelling and fascinating as a literal lobster man. Like, that's the power of Mon Mothma. And a guy with a Velcro beard. Yeah, like, that's some charisma if you can compete with those two and still come across like, yeah, this lady is in charge. These other dudes, they're, they're, they're heavy hitters, but they, they listen to Mon Mothma. She's obviously the only one here that really knows what's going on. Thank you.
After I was given the role, I remember leaning into that scene in Return of the Jedi, really listening to her her voice in particular, because they were gonna they created the wig and the costume that that creates a, a bit of a connection to the character. But I really remember working on her voice and then playing those scenes. I kind of carry those scenes with me with Mon Mothma. This time in Andor, we really get to develop her as a character, and we get to learn about her, not just as a senator, but as a woman, what her life is like, what she has to wrestle with, what are the dangers to her life, what it costs to be her. And Tony's writing is so intricate, it is so taut, it is so, it, it, it lives in this world of uh, a spy genre, of, of a socio-political drama, and yet star, uh, set within a Star Wars world, so it feels universal and intimate all at once. Let's talk about the origin of Mon Mothma. What's fascinating is she only came into Return of the Jedi in the second draft. Maydeen was always there, though. Maydeen was, like, in the first draft. He stayed all the way through the end. In the art of Return of the Jedi book, uh, Nilo Rodas Gemero did an amazing sketch of her that almost kind of looks like a ivory version of Padme's handmaidens almost. So in the script for Return of the Jedi, all it says is Mon Mothma, the leader of the Alliance, has entered the room. She is a stern but beautiful woman in her 50s. Mon Mothma signals for attention and the room falls silent. That's all you get in the script. And that's kind of all you get in the movie. She calls for attention and the room falls silent. So did the theater, probably. Everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, this part is important. Shh. <laughs> I, I know Lando and 2NB were just winking at each other, but we got to be quiet. Well, and it was just nice, too, because, you know, famously in The Empire Strikes Back, there's only one female speaking part besides Leia, and it's very brief, so... It was nice to see that the the leader of the Rebel Alliance is a is a woman in her fifties, which they could have just had just some other British dude with a crazy mustache or some guy with a beard and a weird coat with a big collar. But no, I'm I'm really glad it was Mon Mothma, and that scene was filmed over a few days in a very very cold February 1982, and according to an interview with Carolyn Blackiston. The dialogue was changed the day of filming, so she spent all the time learning her lines. There was It could be the annotated screenplays book. There was some book I read where originally she had a much longer, inspiring speech. I don't know if anybody has access to those screenplay drafts. They're not in the Rinsler making of Return of the Jedi book. There is stuff on those drafts, but not Mothma's original speech. But she showed up on set to find out that all the dialogue had been changed and she had to learn all new lines. It, that is an interesting thing, though, to think about, that another, I think, thing that made Mon Mothma so memorable and special is she didn't give your standard inspirational speech. Like, there's really nothing inspirational about her speech. Like, the fact that her character is very to the point and, like, this is this is how it is. And this is what we're going to do. Like, it's not rah, rah, let's get, let's go get them. We're going to do this. It's like, this is what we're going to do. A bunch of people died. Let's not mess this up. And it's so different than kind of what you would expect from like the good guys getting everybody pumped for the mission speech. Again, it's so, so, so Star Wars where it's almost like the Kerr and the fiery spit of hope where you're sitting there in the theater and she's talking about the Bothans. And I know now it's like this, like a joke or something like, oh, the many Bothans and everything like, oh, are we, are we going to see the Bothans? You know, it's taking it so seriously. And Karen Blackston was taking it so seriously in that moment where she's talking about the fact that they have this information on how to blow up another Death Star. And that she stops and has this very melancholy, sorrowful moment of 
many Bothans died to bring us this information, that she is processing this so deeply and she cares so deeply about the Bothans, the, the rogue one of Return of the Jedi. Well, and it's fitting that Andor, the most serious Star Wars of Star Wars stuff, is kind of inspired by Mon Mothma, the most serious part of Return of the Jedi. Andor is the Mon Mothma of Star Wars stuff. <laughs> Andor is many Bothans died to bring us this information, the show. Yeah, exactly, right. So on Friday, February 12th, 1982, the scene in the briefing room was filmed. Not only was all the dialogue changed, but then later it had to be completely overdubbed because in John Philip Peacher's excellent and I say it every time, massively underrated making of Return of the Jedi paperback book. He talks about how all during the filming, there were pigeons in the rafters that made nests that were like make, cooing, making little pigeon sounds. So all the dialogue from the Rebel briefing room had to be completely redubbed much later. And Howard Kazanjian like shows up on the set and they're like, what, what are pigeons doing here? But it was so cold in the UK in February 82, these pigeons just wanted a warm place. And maybe the pigeons wanted to see the sweet stuff being filmed that day. The pigeons had heard about the Star Wars and they all flew over to check it out. Those pigeons should be at Celebration London. If they do, I'm going to get on a boat. Like, Plane tickets are too expensive. How much is a boat? One-way ticket to London. I got to see the pigeons. It's one table that just full of pigeons pecking. They'll peck, a, they'll peck a photograph for you <laughs> for some bird seed. Tell me about Maydeen's beard. Now, that's all great and amazing. But what's really crazy is James Kahn's Return of the Jedi novelization. This comes out, what, 1983? At some point, probably right around the release of the movie. Yeah, the description here is... When I read this earlier this week, I said a profanity out loud. Mon Mothma entered the room, a stately, beautiful woman of middle age. She seemed to walk above the murmurs of the crowd. She wore white robes with gold braiding, and her severity was not without cause, for she was the elected leader of the Rebel Alliance. Like Leia's adopted father, like Palpatine the Emperor himself— Mon Mothma had been, a, had been a senior senator of the Republic, a member of the High Council. When the Republic began to crumble, Mon Mothma had remained a senator until the end, organizing dissent, stabilizing the increasingly ineffectual government. She had organized cells, too, toward the end. Pockets of resistance— each of which was unaware of the identity of others, each of which was responsible for inciting revolt against the Empire when it finally made itself manifest. There had been other leaders, but many were killed when the Empire's first Death Star annihilated the planet Alderaan. Leia's adopted father died in that calamity. Mon Mothma went underground. She joined her political cells with the thousands of guerrillas and insurgents the Empire's cruel dictatorship had spawned. Thousands more joined the Rebel Alliance. Mon Mothma became the acknowledged leader of all the galaxy's creatures who had been left homeless by the Emperor. Homeless, but not without hope. I mean, come on. This is 1983. A novelization from 1983. It's all there. The part that really got me was pockets of resistance. That's very specific. Yeah. When she's talking about, like, organizing the cells that didn't know each other and stuff. And it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, so all these years of Mon Mothma-ness and stories kind of all have grown from that description in the novelization of Return of the Jedi. Like it's all the DNA and ingredients for future Mon Mothma stories are all kind of right from there. And I guess the, the beginnings of the Rebel Alliance overall are kind of all there in those descriptions. That blew my mind where I was like, I, I 
one day we're going to do an episode on the Return of the Jedi novelization. But I was like, you know, getting ready and like doing research, which I love to do. I was like, oh, well, I'm going to check out what what do they say about Mon Mothman and the Return of the Jedi novel? Read it, and I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> what didn't they say about her in there? We've already said it many times, but really, 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 it's as much as possibly some of Mothma's story has come from that crazy couple pages in the Return of the Jedi novel. A lot of it really comes from Carolyn Blackiston's original performance. She really sold it, and it begged for more fleshing out as the Star Wars universe began to expand with the with the expanded universe. <laughs> So much of that EU universe originally had Mon Mothma in it, and she has remained in countless numbers of books and comics and everything else. Way too much to tell in one hour-long, give-or-take, episode of Blast Points. In canon, out of canon, there is so much Mon Mothma out there. And in this Originally out of canon stuff, crazily, we were first introduced to the idea of her having a daughter. That first came about in the 1993 Dark Empire source book by Michael Allen Horn. The father has remained a mystery until the Andor show, but it kind of shows just how fluid this whole canon, not canon thing is. They cherry pick what they want. A lot of times from the West End books, it's probably Pablo, but also, in previous EU stuff, not canon, Mothma also had a son, right? Yeah, she had a son who I believe was first introduced in the Visionaries comic. Visionaries came out in 2005, and the cool thing with the Visionaries was a Dark Horse thing where it was people from the Lucasfilm art department doing kind of stories about whatever they wanted in Star Wars. So you had like... Aaron McBride doing the now famous Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul in the desert story, for example. Yeah. And so Entrenched was illustrated by Alex Yeager and written by Alex Yeager and Zachary Sherman. And it kind of ties Mon Mothma back to The Empire Strikes Back with her having a son whose name was Jobin being basically one of the troops in the Battle of Hoth. It's kind of a letter that he made for his mother, Mon Mothma, before the battle, and then they go through and kind of show everything that happens to him during the battle, and it kind of ends with Mon Mothma watching that recording and finding out her son was killed right before she gives the speech uh, at the Rebel Briefing. And how ridiculous it is, too, that there's one part where Mothma's son, before he stops recording, he says, give my best to father and send my love to Lita, which is yeah, also the name of Mothma's daughter in Andor. It's just insane. But yeah, in the show, she could have an older son. Jobin could be off somewhere else. We don't know yet. Well, it's interesting to think, too, that Lita is... I'm guessing like 13, 14, and that would put her being born shortly after Revenge of the Sith, too. She probably is about the same age as Luke and Leia, which that's the crazy thing, too, with Mon Mothma being roughly about the same age as Padme, that both of them were... Very young senators in the Galactic Senate, which uh, kind of leads us into our next thing of talking about Mon Mothma, her history on screen, going in kind of story order. There was a lot of Mon Mothma in Clone Wars, like a lot. Well, and it's fun to think about, especially with Andor being such a serious, dramatic show that Mon Mothma is one of the few characters who was around Jedi. She was, according to Clone Wars, she was hanging out with Padme. She was hanging out with Anakin. She was hanging out with Ahsoka. She was in Ahsoka's, at Ahsoka's trial. Like, she knows what happened. And that, yeah, her along with Bale are potentially the only two 
people who really know what went down since Bale was there at the Jedi Temple during Order 66. And I'm assuming he told her because those two uh, were kind of always together through the Clone Wars. But yeah, it's it's funny to go back at how much she actually was in the show in the background. I think it's the whole thing where in, early on in Clone Wars, like they could only make one new character per episode or, or every couple episodes they had said. So like at some point they made Mon Mothma and once they had her model for the show, they just would put her in the background all the time. So like season three, there's like so much Mon Mothma in random things in the background on elevators and in parties but her her big moment i think is what senate murders where padme's uh favorite rhodian politician that she calls uncle gets murdered and the ridiculous classic cinema steve buscemi looking detective shows up and has to solve the murder mystery of who killed her uncle her rhodian uncle and mon mothma gets kind of pulled into to all of that I love Clone Wars, Mon Mothma. She's voiced in that show by Kath. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mispronounce this last name. Soice? S-O-U-C-I-E? It's pretty good. She's doing a, a pretty good Genevieve O'Reilly, kind of Karen Blackiston, kind of Mon Mothma. But it's so interesting. Yeah, like we were saying, thinking about the things the Mon Mothma of the Clone Wars has seen. She was in peace talks on Mandalore. Yeah, she was at Ahsoka's trial. And then thinking of that, all, everything she's experienced and everything she's seen and thinking of that, where that character is in Andor. Yeah, and that after everything she's, she's experienced, she still has to deal with a crappy family. Who <laughs> 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 think it's all, who thinks she's all about herself. But again, like we were saying, that is what's moving her from being a symbol to a character with dimensions and layers, which we didn't have that with Mothma before. And I'm going to keep saying it over and over again in this episode. It's so appreciated. It's so amazing. And we're so lucky we have it. The next big Mothma thing was the revenge of the Sith deleted scenes. Everybody says Mothma, her scenes were all deleted and she wasn't in the movie. That's not true. If you go back and watch the, that business on Kata Nimodia right after that, when there's that whole gang of people waiting to meet them, Mothma's in there. She's in there like with Jar Jar and the whole squad. It's funny because that does seem like almost the inspiration for her in so much of Clone Wars of in the actual movie, she's just standing around in the background with the, with the other gang of senators. And then so much of Clone Wars is her just standing around in the background with the, the random gang of senators. But that's also so cool and, again, so Star Wars that you have this character who turns out to be so incredibly important. And in Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith, she's just in the crowd, just in the background. Yeah. Well, and it's the in the kind of the, yeah, the magic of it all, of it just adding to almost unintentionally a way, adding to this character of seeing her kind of start as like a normal person in a way and then just – in a in a very Star Wars way, reacting to what she sees as a as a problem, and then you know making the choice to be better, and ending up you know the leader of this whole rebellion that eventually takes everything down. And it all started with her at a party with a weird alien who likes space fruit cakes. <laughs> so the Revenge of the Sith deleted scenes, the first one, a stirring in the Senate. These deleted scenes are so good. It's they're like a whole mini movie that at one time existed in Revenge of the Sith. This first one stirring in the Senate, it's just so fascinating thinking that this is the end of the Clone Wars and you have this group of senators that are banding together. They know what's up, they know what's going on and they're like we're not going to stand for this. Now that he has control of the Jedi Council, the Chancellor has appointed governors to oversee all star systems in the Republic. When did this happen? Oh, that decree was posted this morning. Do you think he'll dismantle the Senate? Why bother? As a practical matter, the Senate no longer exists. The Constitution is in shreds, amendment after amendment. We cannot let a thousand years of democracy disappear 
without a fight. What are you suggesting? Suggesting? I, I apologize. I don't mean to sound like a separatist. We are not separatists trying to leave the Republic. We are loyalists trying to preserve democracy in the Republic. I can't believe it has come to this. Chancellor Palpatine is one of my oldest advisors. He served as my ambassador when I was queen. Senator, I fear you underestimate the amount of corruption that has taken hold in the Senate. The Chancellor has played the Senators well. They know where the power lies and they will do whatever it takes to share in it. And we cannot continue debating about this any longer. We have decided to do what we can to stop it. Senator Mon Mothma and I are putting together an organization... Say no which... more, Senator, I understand. At this point, some things are better left unsaid. Agreed. And so we will not discuss this with anyone without everyone in this group agreeing. That means those closest to you, even family. No one can be told. And that scene in there is all about, like, everyone's, like, turning and looking at Padme. Like, you got that, Padme? But you even think about that, again, now resonating into Andor, of kind of them all pledging, we're going to start, like, secret lives. Well, and that's the thing with these those two scenes in particular, too, is even though they aren't in the movie based on everything else that's happened that was either in the films or now in Clone Wars or Rebels or Andor, it's like those two scenes did happen. And, yeah, it's like basically that's her saying, now that we know she at least has a husband and a daughter, of that they're not going to know about her real life, her real job now. And and it just makes the the episode with her family just thinking that you know she only cares about herself and and she's no fun even more impactful that it's like she's doing all this stuff for for the good of the galaxy and she can't tell her family and because of that her family just thinks she's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> the second scene, seeds of rebellion, another great one. Padme wants to let Anakin know that she trusts him. This is all before Order 66, and they're talking about the delegation of the 2000 and all that. Again, just amazing, amazing stuff. It is an acquired taste. We cannot let this turn into another war. Absolutely, that is the last thing we want. We are hoping to form an alliance in the Senate to stop the Chancellor from further subverting the Constitution. That's all. I know a Jedi I feel we should consult. There would be dangers. We don't know how the Jedi fit into all this. I only wish to discuss this with one. One I trust. Going against the Chancellor without the support of the Jedi is risky. The Jedi are not any happier with the situation than we are. Patience, Senator. We have so many Senators on our side. Surely that will persuade the Chancellor. Will you present the petition of the 2000 to the Chancellor? Things may change. Well then, let us see what we can accomplish in the Senate before we include the Jedi. And in the scene, of course, we get Fang Zar, which I cannot get enough of Fang Zar. I know. Such such a good scruffy beard. But it's neat going back to these and realizing, too, just how much these deleted scenes were also just such a big inspiration on on what they did with those characters in Clone Wars. That now when they had a show that they could kind of bring some of the politics stuff back in. And moving on with Mothma in Rebels, really was it secret cargo is really the big Mothma moment. And again, kind of like Clone Wars, though, I forgot how much Mon Mothma is in Rebels after the, after the secret cargo episode. She was in there a lot. Well, I think this, like the two big episodes, right? There's a secret cargo one where she gives her big speech. And then the one with Saw is a I can't remember, that's a different episode, I think. Right? And yeah, she yeah, she argues wait. with the with the giant Saw Guerrero hologram and she gets angry and he's like, Yes, that's the Mon Mothma we need. Well, in her big speech that she gives from the ghost in Secret Cargo, it's so good. This is Senator Mon Mothma. I've been called a traitor for speaking out against a corrupt galactic senate. A Senate manipulated by the sinister tactics of the Emperor. For too long, I've watched the heavy hand of the Empire strangle our liberties. 
stifling our freedoms in the name of ensuring our safety. No longer, despite Imperial threats, despite the Emperor himself, I have no fear as I take new action. For I am not alone. Beginning today, we stand together as allies. I hereby resign from the Senate to fight for you, not from the distant halls of politics, but from the front lines. We will not rest until we bring an end to the Empire, until we restore our Republic. Are you with me? Well, it's just the, the fun thing with where Star Wars is now, that cartoon animated Mon Mothma in kind of goofy, fun Rebels is the exact, not only the same character that's in now gritty, serious live action Andor, it's like the same story, just told different ways. And yeah, she's the same. It's This isn't a different Mon Mothma. This isn't a, a reimagining of Mon Mothma. This is just the same animated Rebels Mon Mothma just five years earlier. When we see Mon Mothma in Rogue One, even though Genevieve O'Reilly was back doing the voice of Mon Mothma in Rebels, it was a really big deal in like the ancient history when we started to hear that Genevieve O'Reilly was playing Mon Mothma in Rogue One. It was like, oh my God. Because again, we've talked about this before. It was just the year before that when you know you had directors of Star Wars movies talking trash about the prequels and stuff. And articles on the internet saying, like, they're going to remake the prequels and the prequels don't exist in the new Star Wars universe. And having Genevieve O'Reilly, who was in mostly deleted scenes from Episode 3, back as a character in Rogue One, if as prequel lovers, prequel superfans, prequel crazy people, it was like, yes. Thank you. We didn't even know Bail Organa was coming out, Jimmy Smith's. We, there were rumors and we were hoping, but it was like that whole scene in Rogue One was just like a love letter, a blow and a kiss to the prequels. Well, with the extra layer of Return of the Jedi sprinkled on top. So it really was about the best you could, the best you could get there. A new Star Wars with prequel love and Return of the Jedi love all rolled up. And still one of my favorite bits in Rogue One when she's talking to Bail Organa and about your your friend, the Jedi. Like we were saying, you think of the things she saw in the Clone Wars. Think of the fact that she was at Ahsoka's trial. She knows that Obi-Wan Kenobi is still out there if they need him for something. She knows probably about what happened in Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show. She's probably one of the only people out there that knows these things. She knows, like, the truth of Order 66, like, the great, the, the most horrible thing that happens in Star Wars history. And that's amazing to think about. And then, again, yeah, thinking that all during Andor, she knows all of that. And it kind of all goes back to her showing up in Return of the Jedi as almost like the rebel equivalent of the Emperor, that their characters go all the way back as far to the beginning to both being senators in the galactic Senate at the same time. And kind of, we didn't know all the details at the time, but kind of, you know, wrapping this whole story up in a way of, of being kind of the, the light and dark side of the, of a very similar part of the story. It's true. And, you know, Palpatine also had a bit of a double life for a while. There There's a lot of that going on. Which, yeah, and then Return of the Jedi, of course, we've talked about that a lot, which brings us to Mon Mothma in Andor. She is living this double life. It's over a decade after the end of the Clone Wars. She has declared and lied about her loyalty to Palpatine and the Empire. It's all a lie. Episode 6 ended at what really feels like a crossroads moment for Mon Mothma. I just about died when they showed the Imperial Senate at first. And, you know, you see the pod moving out and then the pain of how empty the Senate is and nobody's paying attention. And Mothma is trying to give this passionate speech again about Gorman. And she picks up her little space iPad to read what the news is. And again, 
it reminded me of Karen Blackiston's performance because she knows what's on that space iPad. Like when Luthen hears about the attack on Aldani and he goes into the back room and has a little joyful breakdown. Mothma though cannot show that. And Genevieve, Genevieve's O'Reilly performance is so good because you can see a little bit in her eyes, but her face has to be like stone. And it is a perfect example of where Mon Mothma is right now. I don't know if even by the end of season one, we're not going to get the Mon Mothma we had in Rebels. I don't think she's going to be at the point where she can leave her life behind. No, and that's the thing I think that's really cool with that scene at the end is like Luthen's kind of, he's ready to give up his old life in a way. He wants this all to go down. And with her, it's almost like as much as she's happy it's happening and working, it's also the idea that she's realizing that her old life is is over because it's for real now. And all the nervousness she had before of like how they're watching her and it's harder to move money around and all that stuff, like there's now the turning point is like it's only going to get worse for her. There's been this attack on the Empire and they actually got away with it. And the Empire is freaking out. This is the you, it feels like this is the first time that ever this ever happened. Like I read somebody describe it online as like, yes, the Empire can bleed. And if it bleed, you know, it's like Predator. If it bleeds, we can kill it. And that is what's going on. Mon Mothma and Luthen and probably Bail Organa, who we who we haven't seen yet, they all know that one false move and they're all dead. It's like Mothma said. If this goes down bad, she's the first to go. But it's the thing that we know Cassian survives and we know Mon Mothma survives. Aside from that, it's the exciting thing of the show with all these people around them that we, in just six episodes that we've grown to love, are expendable. Also, like Cassian, we don't know how Mon Mothma gets from here to there. Well, and also some of the, you know, the magic and reason that Mon Mothma has been compelling so long is that we don't get much in Return of the Jedi. So there's room for these new stories to fill in how she ends up, where she ends up in Return of the Jedi. Because Return of the Jedi doesn't really tell us. It tells us just enough that she survives and that she seems sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, right. And it's like, you know, it's... It's just, it's so great that we now, yeah, are getting kind of the opportunity to see more of how she gets there. And there's all the stuff that takes place after what we see in Andor. There's stuff in the Aftermath books, and there's there's so much stuff. And again, it's it's like all the books and stuff. There's, there's just too much to talk about in this episode. But I feel like what we're getting in Andor is the, the meatiest, the best Mon Mothma story and like all of Andor right now, it's where is it going? Where is Cassian's story going? Where is Mon Mothma's story going next? I seriously have no clue. And that's really, really, really exciting. Well, and when are their stories going to cross, too? Because in Rogue One, they're standing right next to each other in the same room. And at this point, they don't even know who each other is. So, yeah, there's a long way to go. So in our long history of being in the asylum of Mothma Madness, from Mothma before to Mothma. Now, how are you thinking of Mothma differently today? Who is Mothma for you right now? I think the biggest thing with Andor is, is like you were saying, Mon Mothma is now gone from being a symbol to a person, and we're now getting to see what she has had to sacrifice to get the rebellion where it needs to be. The movies have shown us what the Skywalkers and the Solos and the Organas have, have had to do in the in the you know in the troops on the ground, but now getting to see that that whole side of the story of you're you're not a soldier, but you're still sacrificing for this cause. And even if that's just your daughter hates you, like it's so neat to see such an interesting character who we knew so little about to actually get fleshed out the way Mon Mothma is getting in Andor. It's a dream come true. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. 
storytelling through the narrative arcs, Tony has been unafraid to explore the tentacles of empire, the tentacles of colonialism, and how that affects people, how that affects the very center of humanity. And you have spoken and you have spoken about that this season is about the formation of a revolution. When the tentacles of empire get so destructive and creative and corrosive, there is nothing left to do but gather your community and revolt. X-Wing fighter and the Star Wars TIE fighter. Spaceships and Luke Skywalker sold separately, batteries not included. I'll get you this time, Luke. Reactivate X-Wing. Both have flashing lights and sound. A hit. There go the solar panels. And Darth Vader got away. The Force is with me. Luke Skywalker wins again. Kenner's Star Wars X-Wing fighter, TIE fighter, and action figures all sold separately. points too accurate for sand people only imperial stormtroopers are so precise going to say Apple Podcast Reviews. It's been a while since we had one, and I'm starting to miss it. Every once in a while I check, and I'm like, oh man, no new Apple Podcast Review. So, make it happen. It helps Blast Points. It helps more people find Blast Points when they're looking up, what's a good Star Wars podcast? I want to hear Star Wars podcast talk about Mon Mothma for an hour. Hey, what's Blast Points? And if you listen on Spotify, leave us a five-star review over there, too. And make sure you check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com. Best place to search for back episodes. And make sure, yeah, you're following us on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in our Super Chill group. And if you want to support the show a different way, we got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where if you liked us talking about Andor here... We got a few more Andor episodes on there where we're doing little bite-sized review, recap, reaction freakouts from every episode of Andor. It's going to keep going all the way until the season is done over there on the Blast Points Army. And if you are a member of that on Patreon, we thank you so very much. But that about wraps up number 332 into the Mothma Madness. It's not like we're leaving the Mothma Madness. We're always going to be in Mothma Madness. We're, it's, it's a permanent residence in the Mothma Madness. There's no cure. Not that we've tried to even find one, because we don't really want there to be a cure. No one's ever offered help with getting over Mothma Madness. I think everyone just knows they've got Mothma Madness. We would turn it, we would turn it down anyway. We don't need your help. No. We're, we're happily insane. So next week, folk, next week is exciting. As if there wasn't enough going on, Tales of the Jedi is starting. <sighs> Young Dooku. Uh. So we're going to start talking about that. We're going to have two episodes in a row about Tales of the Jedi. And next week, sometime after Tales of the Jedi comes out. So no new episode on Tuesday next week. Stay tuned, though, and shortly after Tales of the Jedi comes out, we'll have an episode just talking about all the Dooku stuff. And then after that, we'll have an episode talking about the Ahsoka stuff. And there's a new episode of Andor somewhere in there, too. So, Which I'm sure nothing interesting will happen at all. No. show's so dull. <laughs> it's a slow burn. <laughs> so, all right, folks. Until then, thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. 
May the force be with you. Mothma Madness. We're drooling here. Yeah. May the force be with all.